Ladies and gentlemen, good afternoon and welcome inside the latest edition of Across the Cavs. Zach Weiss with you as always on this Wednesday, July 13th. And there's not a ton happening with the Cavs. They're going through summer league. We're seeing a lot of guys showing out. Luke Travers has been an absolute dime dropper. Oche Akbaji, or Oche rather, is showing that he's a knockdown shooter, which is going to be really helpful when the season gets going. We needed that last year, especially, you know, in those playing games, didn't have enough three-point shooting. Adding a perimeter guy that can knock him down with consistency could go a long way and maybe convince the team that trading Levert, paying Sexton might be the way to go to open up minutes at both the two and the three for Akbaji, although very curious. You know, this podcast, by the way, it's going to be a lot of Cavs thoughts kind of thrown out there. No agenda. We're just talking about the fellas and some thoughts that I have going through, having had some conversations with non-Cavs fans about the season to come. I'm curious, you know, how this rotation is going to shake out because Cavs just won 44 games. We've got a lot of guys here just Looking at the projected line, and this is ESPN. I don't trust this fully because this has Rajon Rondo here, and it does not have Rubio yet. But it does have Neto and Lopez. We got Garland, Sexton, Levert, Mobley, Allen as the projected lineup, which would mean Okoro and Markkinen would both come off the bench. Now, I, I see Colin in a starting role. I don't see why he'd come off the bench. Probably play a few less minutes. So from Colin, you probably go to what? You go... Levert first, then Okoro. Okoro hasn't really come off the bench much. Not Well, he was going to be coming off the bench, and the Cavs were full strength to begin the season. I don't know. You know, Akbaji, will he even get minutes with Okoro, Levert, Sexton, Markkinen here? Where does Kevin Love factor in if Markkinen comes off the bench? We know that Robin Lopez won't be one of the main guys. But what, what about Lamar Stevens, who is a defensive stopper? throughout last season a jump shot maker he gave us big minutes so consistently and when Rubio gets healthy what about him if you got sex land and all these other guys will there be minutes to go around and we did briefly just touch on Akbaji but what would his role be you know what about Dean Wade he played some incredible defense throughout last season before he suffered the season ending injury and boy did they ever miss him really could have used him in the Brooklyn game but you look at things and it's like, wow, we're pretty deep. And, you know, you look at the Warriors of last year, not to make a comparison because we don't have Curry and it was insane. And we got an elite point guard of our own. But, you know, looking at the Warriors last year and you saw the starting lineup and you saw the bench guys and who wouldn't be able to get minutes. And it was deep. That was a deep deep team and you look at the Cavs right now and we're not going to the finals probably not anything can happen out there folks but I just see such a nice depth chart I see so many pieces that can come in and contribute you know we got Moblin Moblin Allen Frobley as Evan Damrell came up with and many people use later Markkinen still brings his length you know I think they're still going to want to start the three of them together which would mean though that two of Sexton, Levert, Okoro comes off the bench. Now, I definitely envision a scenario where despite his value, Kevin Love gets traded. I love Isaiah Mobley, but we do know he's not going to touch the court. Nothing he does can have him touch the court. RJ Nemhard's been a baller in the summer league. 
he's not getting anything more than a two-way. He's not going to get minutes ahead of any of the point guards that we have. Maybe Neto had been an emergency situation. Nemar definitely stayed patient last year. He lost all the minutes to Goodwin, who came in and played well. But it's a conundrum. For sure, you know, figuring out the rotation. We're not going to see any of Jetty Osman next year, right? He's not going to usurp any of these guys. I think he's a trade chip. And the guy you really got to feel bad for through all of this is Dylan Windler, who missed his first season. He got hurt after one game of his second season. Then he came back, got hurt again. He averaged five points across 30 games. Windler averaged two and two last year. Important to add that when the season starts, Dylan Windler will already be 26 years of age. He's not even part of the young core. Look, love Dylan Windler. I think he's a great guy. I think he can make it in the NBA, maybe, if he goes to a team that lets him you know, pass the ball. And I'm, just looking at, I'm looking at an article here from Spencer Richardson on July 6th. And it starts out with, remember Dylan Windler? He was supposed to be an excellent floor spacer and pure shooter for the Cavaliers. And he was an amazing shooter at Belmont. He was a great shooter. He was on the Julius Irving Award, given to the best small forward in college. He was on the watch list, you know, at that juncture. And all these injuries have certainly not helped. He hasn't shot the ball comfortably. He's hardly touched the ball. It looks like his offensive rating was on par with Jared Allen, JaVale McGee, and Draymond Green in the 50 games he did play. And it's kind of amazing he played more than half. I felt like he really wasn't there. And, you know, you look at all the guys the Cavs have. Wendler's probably not playing. And so wing depth matters. I was looking at the rest of this article. The Cavs have it, and Wendler certainly is not a part of that. Whether he's a two, a three, or a four doesn't matter. The fact of the matter is this. Dylan Wendler has played two years in the NBA. He's been in the league for three. His production has been invisible. His impact has been minute. He's had a couple good games, a couple. I'm going to pull up his game log here real quick. And look, I like Dylan Wendler. I do. But here's the fact of the matter. He had that 5.9 rebound game and a win against Orlando where he got the belt. He had a 8.7 rebound four assist game and an early season win over Detroit. Windler scored in double figures one time, one time. And it happened in the fifth game against Portland. He made multiple threes six times. He made a three in just 13 of 37 appearances. I don't care how little some of the playing time was. That is awful. Wendler had a negative plus minus in 23 out of 50. And if you add zero or negative, 26 of his 50 games, Wendler did not have a positive rating on the court. He had a double digit plus minus in the positive just five times. And, you know, he took plenty of DNP CDs over the course of the year. But sheesh. Now I'm just going to look from the actual perspective of the year and he did get minutes in that last game against the Bucks. the Cavs are resting everybody and they won by 18 should have been more he was a minus 27 I should add Wendler's not going to stick you hate to see it because he's a great kid not even a kid he's getting old already but yeah it's going to be very interesting 
how things shake out for the Cavs. I think we're a team that could be messed with, that should be messed with, I should say, a team to be reckoned with, a force out there on the offensive and defensive end. Obviously, health will matter. Mobley and Allen need to stay on the court. But they won 44 games last season. We can't ignore that because they did that despite Evan Mobley missing 13 games and Jared Allen missing 26 games. They missed games together, which is ultimately, you know, where the team fell off. It was a huge loss for them. Jared Allen missed the final 17 games of the season. And in that stretch, the Cavs lost 11 times. They picked up wins only over the Knicks, Bucks, Magic, Pistons, Nuggets, Clippers, Pacers. Only two good wins in that entire stretch. We lost to Chicago. We lost to Philly. Lost to Dallas. Atlanta blew us out. Lost to Orlando. Lost to Brooklyn in that late April showdown. It was very tough. You know, for the Cavs, they did get Mobley back for that game and he did play all right. Garland went off, but the team got housed in the fourth quarter. So the big question will be about what the rotation is. You know, Rondo did some good things for the Cavs last year, but I don't see I don't see him coming back regardless of of what happens. We need Mobley and Allen to play. Both of them have to be on the court. I think we can trade Kevin Love, although I have no idea what that would be for. I think the Cavs are going to have some actions to take before the season starts. Maybe they can move Jetty Osman or someone for, I don't know what assets they're looking for. I don't know what we need. What do the Cavs need? I ask you, the listener, what, what do the Cavs need? We have an all world point guard who signed the biggest contract in team history. We've got a rim protecting hammer throwing center. We've got Evan Mobley, who's, what, 21 years old, a beast on both ends of the floor. Like, he's learning as he goes. He's shown incredible signs. We got Levert, who could also be a chip. But, again, what would they trade Levert for? We got Isaac Okoro, who absolutely balls out on the defensive end of the court. Offense is very much still a question mark, but he's not that bad. I think he can improve as he goes. It's it's a team that should scare people because they won 44 games without Allen and Mobley for long stretches. That's easily a 50-win team. So I say this year, 50 should be where the bar is at. You know, there shouldn't be any lower number as the Cavs projected over under. This is a dangerous squad. You know, and I think we're a team that needs to get consideration among the league's best. Cavs are no joke. They're no pushover. They play hard all the time. And when you think about that and the fact that they've not had a great LeBron season in a long time, it's been, with last year unfortunately falling apart, since 97-98. I was only a couple years old when the Cavs last made the playoffs without LeBron James. And it is some BS from last year and no one's fault. Allen got hurt. And the, the team read a rare, the rare national TV game. Mobley was also out. You take them away. What are you supposed to do? Your best bet option was Moses Brown. No disrespect, but that's not an upgrade. That's a massive downgrade, as we all know. 
Hopefully Robin Lopez can come in and play some of those stopgap minutes this time. Should injuries arise, he'll get you the hook shot. He can get to his spot. He does a lot of good things on the basketball court. And I'm excited to watch the Cavs. I think we're top four in the East. I think we could beat anyone in the conference in a series. Anyone. Anyone. And let's just add that for all the hype about the Nets, we almost had them in the play-in. It was a great effort in Brook on the road. One. Two. That was the only quote-unquote playoff game they won. They got swept. Durant wants out. Irving might be gone. And the highlight of their years together is beating us, the Cleveland Cavaliers, no LeBron James in the play-in. Cash would be very proud of how last season went. Despite that, they just couldn't get the Hawks. They were playing a Hawks team that had gone to the conference finals. It was the same core. They had everyone pretty much on the floor, except for what John Collins. That's a tough team. They just got to Jante Murray. That's a great pickup. That's an all world guard. 20 points, eight rebounds, eight assists a game. And an all-NBA caliber defender. You're throwing him with Trey. You got Capella. You, you held on to John Collins for the time being. Hopefully that continues for them. You got DeAndre Hunter still there. Just drafted A.J. Griffin, made some other moves, got some better perimeter depth and defense with the likes of Mo Harkless. They beat us, and that's it. It happened. The Cavs played them as well as they could. Sure, they blew it. Yes, they're at home. It, it was hard. That was, I believe, the game where Allen was back. And it just they, they couldn't put it all together. So closing thoughts. Someone's been a short pod. I've been a little all over the place. The goal of this pod is to get some Cavaliers thoughts out for y'all to hear as we think about, you know, the offseason and what to expect for next season. And I also want would like to add that we'll be doing a summer league look back pod with hopefully a couple of guests this weekend. Might see Amadou coming back. You might get Dan Gilinski. Important to look at summer league. Yeah, they're, they're playing against guys that are fringe NBA players. They're from Europe or they're trying to make it in the NBA or they're inexperienced. There's a lot of interesting qualifications that go along with these players and why they're in summer league. But at the end of the day, they're just trying to make the NBA. This is part of the game. These are guys that we're going to see on the team next season. And it's important to have these discussions. And we want to break down Mobley. And we want to look at Nemhard and if this can be real and if it can translate. You know, is Luke Travers a real NBA player? Can he get a two-way contract? And now, whoever the Cavs get for their two-way contract, I'm very curious to see if they get any minutes. Now, look, COVID ran did run rampant for a good chunk of this past season. And in doing that, it opened up a lot more spots around the association. And with that being said, anyone could get on the court. So we'll see. I don't expect that to be happening. And also, what the hell? I was looking on Twitter earlier and I saw something that said Mike Conley for Colin Sexton. What? Huh? Dog. We got Rubio. We got Garland. Why do we want Mike Conley? Colin Sexton is just a year removed from averaging 25 a game. Let's not forget that game against the Nets. 
That's the one that the media saw, but there's been so many others where he's just been incredible besides that one game. Why would we trade Sexton for Mike Conley? The Jazz are trying to trade Donovan Mitchell, who, by the way, plays the same position as, as Colin Sexton. What? Now, Utah might have no clue what they're doing and whatever. Actually, no, they did a great job with the Gobert trade and getting picks and getting some players. So I take that back. However, no reason for the Cavs to trade Sexton. Bring him back. That's our guy. We're not getting rid of any part of sex land. You know, fans would, would go crazy. No one would like that. I would hate that. And we need him. The Cavs had Colin Sex. Now, here on Boyd, who I appreciate all the listens and the conversations on social. Here on Boyd is Mr. Colin Sexton. If you say anything negative about Colin Sexton within 300 miles, of here on Boyd, he will hear you, and he will clap back at you. And now he's a little extreme. Sorry, here on, but he does make some good points. And everyone was laughing, oh, Colin coming off the bench. No, he never. He tore everyone a new one that made that suggestion, as I did as well. And that's something I agree on. He's a starter in this league. No one ever said Monte Ellis should come off the bench. That's my comparison for Sexton, Monte Ellis. 26 a game in his prime, 27. Beast on the Warriors. Had a couple good years with the Bucks. Sure, his, his numbers did dip a little as his role changed. It's pretty good for the Mavericks, too, before ultimately falling out of favor in Indiana. Great career. You know, the only guy with a similar skill set, although he's maybe more of an Iguodala type, Tyreek Evans, he did come off the bench on a couple different teams. And he did a great job of it. Collins a starter. Plain and simple. And Colin needs to stay. My point I'm making with Hiram here is that he is a staunch Sexton defender, as he should be. This man was likely going to be an all-star if he was healthy and had the same workload as the prior season. Now, that, that was always unlikely to see that. And I know I just used that word twice. But he can play. Colin can play. Let's not forget that. He was at an all-star level the year before, and before his injury, before the season, it was him that we were pegging as the all-star, not Garland. And the only thing we learned from Collins' time away, sex land is 50% sex and 50% land. Garland obviously had to carry for both of them when, when Colin was down. But together, that's an unstoppable force. That is a great duo. You have enough defense around them that they can still win with them playing big minutes together. And I, I do think that having them together on the court and having Rubio healthy and back, you can limit everyone's minutes as need be. No one needs to play more than 32, 33 a night. You know, get no gone doesn't need to always play 12 minutes in the first quarter. And having that chance to give him a blow earlier is going to matter. Late in games, more juice, more effort on defense because of that more juice. Colin's not going anywhere. Mike Conley, that's BS. He's staying. Keep Colin. Keep Garland, obviously, with that nice extension. Cavs are going to win 50-plus. You heard it here. This is Across the Cavs. I'm Zach Weiss. We're wrapping it up. We will see you this weekend for some summer league chatter. But until then, remember, if you like what you hear, leave a review on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, recommend to your friends. And also, as the pod has continued to live there, head over to iHeart to hear it 
in another spot. So until next time, we will see you later. Let's go Cavs.